everybody. Welcome back in our latest series of What the Hell Are We Gonna Do This Season on Uptown Drama do, with do, do, Jeffrey do, and do. Christy. <laughs> we're still trying to figure out what we're gonna do, but I had, so we're here specifically to talk about Halloween, right, Jeffrey? Yeah, because I, I, I kind of feel like we're pretty close to what the holiday slot is. For some reason, that one's easier. Yeah, well, because I think the holiday slot the show itself lends itself to kind of like futzing with and, and turning into a different kind of event. But, you know, what we had planned for our season opener doesn't. We just can't. Um, and so we're having to, you know, think of new and different things. And I'm at that point now where because we've talked about lots of things and I got excited about certain ideas and then you start trying to work out the details and I go, ugh. Wait. Yeah. Well, well, what were you excited about? What well, we had, in some of the things we discussed, some of the actual stories or plays that we discussed, one of them was a telltale heart. I just mm -hmm. realized we've already done, I did that like two and a half years ago. So I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Um, so I sent you a link yesterday yep. to 10 classic horror, creepy, haunty stories that are in the public domain. And they were interesting to read. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed sitting at home reading them. I actually really like the the Horla. By Guy de Maupassant? The Guy de Maupassant. I just want to do it because I like saying it. I name. know. Um, and I liked The Dead Smile. Like, I really, really liked yeah, that one. I was I like, like ooh, that, that was freaking creepy. Incest, y'all. Always scary. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, how do we, how do we do it? We can't do those. But I, I, I got this other idea, total public domain. We can make them our own mm -hmm. completely. Um, I, I, what about urban legends? What about we take some Dallas or Texas urban legends? Yeah. Uh, or our favorites or whatever. And then we go back to the idea of, you know, hiring some local playwrights to um, interpret them yeah. in, in different ways. Like I read one this morning that was creepy AF. Um, and it's, there was a website I visited that was like most popular urban legends by state. And so each state apparently has its own, I mean, we all share urban legends across the board, but each state in the United States apparently has something that is like unique to them as an urban legend. And I was really curious what Texas was gonna be. Yeah. And um, it's a story called The Candy Lady. Have mm -hmm. you heard this? No. Should I say it? You want me to say it? It's creepy. So apparently there's an unnamed town in Texas, they don't name it, um, where all of these children were receiving wrapped candy on their windowsill. Like they would wake up in the morning and there would be candy on their windowsill. And uh, then after a while, the candy came with messages. And it was like, from the candy lady. You know, whatever, whatever the message was, from the candy lady. And then kids started to go missing. And this was like over a period of like 10 years or something like that, like kids would go missing here and there. And then a farmer supposedly found uh, a bunch of like ch kids' teeth wrapped in a candy wrapper <laughs> on the edge of his farm. <laughs> and they started, like the authorities started like, what the hell is this? And apparently they found a little kid, like a little kid's body with his eyes poked out with forks and his pockets full of candy. <laughs> and that's the end of the urban legend, but I was like, what? <laughs> that is insane. But I'd, I'd never heard of the candy lady, had uh, you? No, no, I haven't heard of that. No, but I thought that that might be creepy. There's, you know, we have the Lady of the Lake lady here lake. in Dallas. Yeah. Um, you know, the fish hatchery, all the fish hatchery stuff from the satanic panic of the early 80s. Yeah. Uh, it might be fun. I mean, otherwise we've got all this other stuff that we're going to have to interpret. I'm holding up books, by the way, Podcast Landia. I did bring shock-headed Peter uh -huh. so you could look at the stories. I brought Carmilla, but I think it's too long just going over it again. 
I bought this book that's really interesting called Monster, She Wrote, The Women Who Pioneered Horror and Speculative Fiction. And it's got a whole bunch of like, you know, references and, and stories and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, we could do La Llorona, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know, it, it might be fun. What's our, I, I don't, I like all of these ideas. I'm trying to, what's the, what's our hook? Like what is the thing that is gonna make people go, okay, I, I wanna see this? I think the hook is that it should be Dallas. I mean, I think the, the I mean, what's the, like Halloween, people wanna be scared, right? Yeah. The closer you are to something, the closer you are to an event. Yeah. The more scary it is, like the pandemic. <laughs> so I, I think if you know, anyway, I mean, you know, we did Dracula last year, yeah. and and it was wonderful. I enjoyed it. Dracula is one of my favorite stories. So many people enjoyed it, but Dracula is not really scary. Yeah, you know, it's it's more the romance and and how yeah. are they going to do it right? But you know, I think the closer you can you can get to home. Yeah. The, the, I don't know, it could be like Jeff and Christy explore Dallas urban legends. Are they true? Are they not true? Like we spoke to these people. I don't know. <laughs> I just totally fabricate it. Yeah, why not? Um, we, it's, it's an urban legend. They belong to all of us. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we could, I don't know, oh, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm just worried about, be, Dallas, unlike say in Austin or New York or, a, uh, or what, what's another place? Chicago. People who really love their town and identify with their town. I just, Dallas has never struck me like that. You don't think so? Like I'm proud to be from Dallas. Like it's never been. Really? Or am I, am I totally off? Well, I don't I'm saying that. I, like, do I people like, have enough pride in living here that they want to see stories? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's about pride. Like, I don't know if it's about pride. I mean, nobody yeah. is proud that nobody from New York is proud that they live in the state of Cropsey, the child killer. <laughs> but they're proud of. But they're, they're <laughs> or the eager. Jersey Devil, or they're you know anything. <laughs> well, the Jersey Devil is different. They named a hockey team after the Jersey Devil, so who knows? But. I don't know if it's about, but like, okay, so what if we found. But if we did fabricate them, like. What do you mean fabricate? Or maybe if we, if we took a kernel of an idea and turned it into. Sure. I mean, if you, look, I'm going to tell you, if you, if we had a La Llorona story. Yeah. Yeah. People will watch that because, yeah. I mean, my people will watch that because every single one of us grew up yeah. with that story being told to us, scaring the shit out of us as kids, you know? Um, we have lots, like there's La Llorona, there's another another one that, that parents use to scare their kids, you know? The, the, it's just like the boogeyman, but in Spanish we call him El Cucuy. So like if we wanted to do an El Cucuy story, like we could get someone to write it. Um, everybody knows El Cucuy. Sneeze, sneeze. I'm, I'm trying, trying to, but I Jeffrey's really trying far, to sneeze. Really we far can. Away. Oh, what if we made an urban legend about sneezing during the pandemic or something, <laughs> some such nonsense? Well, if we go this, if we were to go this route, we've added a layer to this that is going to put us into crunch time, because now we're not even really starting with text, you know, in in many ways. So no, well. But here's the thing, is like, if you and I choose the ones that we like, and a lot of them are written down. If you go, if you go yeah. online, if you look for the ones, you know, a, a lot of them are written down. So it's something that I, for one, have faith in our local playwrights and the ones that you and I work with, yeah. mostly, to take something like this and run with it. And I think it's, if we give them creative constraints, like if we say it has to take place in one room or it has to only be two people or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, I have faith that, that, that people can come up with something. We do, you're, you're right, we have to move on it fast. But um, I, I, think, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. And then that, you know, 
we, you and I just have to be creative about how, then how do we present these? Like the little film that you sent me the other day to yeah. look at, I thought that was so cool. There's gotta be a way. I mean, there's, in fact, as I am saying it and thinking it, there's an idea like popping into my head that now I don't want to talk about out loud. Well, okay, so let me, because I didn't, after I read through most of those stories, I think there's only one I didn't get, I didn't get to. Um, I started looking at other things. I had been looking at different myths and, and legends. I've been looking at a lot of Native American stuff because that has always been a huge interest of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are some things that I could do. I worry about, now, I always go back to what Jonathan said when we when we did his pod, Jonathan Norton when we did his podcast that this whole idea of keep our words out of your mouth, and so me co-opting a Native American myth to tell, I, I guess the kids would say is problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I kept looking, I kept digging, I kept looking, and I, I cast the net wider. And I was just looking all over the place and found interesting stuff. But then I landed on. So I, I, I was reading The Legend of Johnny Appleseed. And, uh, um, okay. And I started thinking, you know, that really is, if you reinterpreted that story, it is a terrifying story of manifest destiny expansionism, colonialism. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. I hadn't <laughs> thought of it that way, but that is absolutely... <laughs> and, terrifying and I was like I think I could make this into a really great terrifying horror story mm-hmm. and so my wheels have been turning mm-hmm. I'm telling retelling the story of Johnny Appleseed with monster apple trees but, and it even but it starts just as innocently because it all get he gets a message from God that's terrifying right that well, he's got a, that he's got a plant or I think it's from an angel, I think. I'm sure there's multiple versions of the likes of Johnny Appleseed. But, and so then he t- terrorizes the country with his seeds. Yeah. Um, until he gets another message uh, that invites him to come to heaven and plant trees. Um, but I, I think I could turn this into like a really great, like, here's a wide-eyed person think he's, think, think he's doing great as he's, anyway. I think that's a great idea. But it doesn't. It fits into the sort of the urban myths and legends sure, thing. Sure, it's like but it's folk not, tales and urban myths. It's not and, a it's not a Dallas story. I don't know I mean, if there's it an equivalent. I mean, it doesn't have to be <laughs> Dallas. I'm I'm just saying that you know we can choose something from Dallas. We can choose something that is. I mean, you really like the Johnny Appleseed set. That like, like that speaks to you. It's hilarious <laughs> to you, and I like I can see it being like a John Landis style you know, gremlins yeah. because it's funny and terrifying. It can be funny and terrifying all over I am on board with that. I mean, La Llorona speaks to me because it's a story that I grew up with and I think that people always get it wrong. I really like the candy lady though. Like that just was, wow. That's, that's like a modern day, like Hansel and Gretel or something like that. Um, you know, and it, it we can look at other ones or we can talk to... Jonathan Norton and say what is what is a you know an urban legend or a myth or something that yeah. speaks to you we can you know Nicole Neely Michael Federico like you know playwrights around town and if they if they have something they want to contribute you know they don't have to start from scratch they can start from something that already lives in their psyche and it they can be like you said last time, you said they could be like 15 minutes long. They don't have to be super, super, super long. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple, simple. You know, even if it's just, I was watching the, the that series that you sent me, you texted me on Netflix yeah. called Homemade. Yeah. And uh, a lot of them is like, a lot of them are, are just visual with narration. Yeah. And uh, that's cool. I mean, that's very cool. I mean, get a cheap drone at Walmart. (laughs) Never mind. Um, But yeah. I mean, 
other, I mean, we're going to have to adapt stories no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I did find, I think I texted you the, like, there's a, like a set, six page play by Thornton Wilder mm -hmm. called Mozart and the, um, and the gray something I have right here. Like if we, if we were looking for actual theater pieces, I mean, there might be a little bit of a draw for people who really like Thornton Wilder. It's like. <laughs> well, that plays into our Texas theme. Like if, if you wanted one of them to be like a Thornton Wilder piece. Mozart and the Gray Stewart, that's what it's called. You know, along with other local playwrights. Um, but. You know, Michael Federico and I, and the scripts are already written. We have scripts for a few of them, but Michael Federico and I had this idea before bef before it came out on, on Netflix, there was like another, and maybe it's in the zeitgeist, so I'm not saying that we were first, but we had been talking about this um, YouTube show called Scream Home, mm -hmm. um, where it's, it's supposed to be Dream Home, but the D is scratched out and it says Scream Home. And it's about two out-of-work actors because there's no more theater. And they decide to, well, at the time, it was not because there was no more theater. It's because they're losers and they're out-of-work actors. And it was supposed to be me and him. And um, they, they are um, hosts of a home improvement show. But they don't realize that every home that they go into, there's something like they're, it's either haunted or there's a killer in the home. And the, the carpenter, like the, the, the guy that they take in, because you know these shows, the host doesn't know how to do anything. There's always like a guy that actually knows how to do the work. So our conceit was that Michael and I would be the hosts of these shows and we'd be like, this is a great house. Can we just like put a hole in here and put some stairs or whatever? And that the carpenter would be like, no, like this, there's actual structural things that we have to do or whatever. But that by the end of the episode, the carpenter always dies. And so we're having to constantly hire a new carpenter and that's how we would get like guest stars on the show. Um, and we have a few scripts that are already written and they're really funny and they're short. Um, so, I mean, there's stuff. You wanna start from there, that's funny. Um, it can be all kinds of things. Yeah. Like the, the, the first one, yeah, the, the first one's like written and that can be filmed in someone's home. Me and Michael see each other all the time, so. I am, a, frankly, I'm averse to us taking this outside of the realm of shooting it in a theater. I love that idea. I started thinking the other day I was watching, um, I admit, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie, I was watching one of my favorite like trashy movies from the 80s called The Fan, starring Lauren Bacall and Michael <laughs> Bean. And it's about this theater actress who has like a crazy, crazed fan. Um, and I started thinking, we could, we could do something like that at, at the theater, like very, very easily, you know? Yeah. I I think if we start taking it outside of the theater mm -hmm. and shooting things on location, all that, it, it, it just, we, we continue to lose the tie to our original mission. We can do it I here. Think. Remember when you set up a miniature green screen in our office? Yeah. <laughs> That's, when that you, could be fun. What, like when you're thinking about stuff, shows to do, do you put like, are you thinking about, oh, our, our patrons would like, like, are, are patrons in your head? And if so, who do you see as the patron? Me personally? Yeah. Um, wow. No, I, I don't. I mean, I, I never have, and maybe that's, maybe that's a flaw, um, but as a, as a theater maker, I, I, I think that 
if you love if you if you're excited about something as an artist yeah. if you're super excited about something as an artist and you get passionate about it and you love on that project yeah it it can't help but be good and other people will not be able to help but love Mm-hmm. and like it as well mm-hmm. because you have loved it so much. So I don't necessarily think about what would our patrons like. I think about what would be super fun to do. And, you know, if you build it, they will come mm-hmm. is is my, my philosophy. And, and maybe that's... That's a, a frivolous artist talk rather than responsible associate artistic director talk. <laughs> but I always feel like my best work is, is work that I truly, truly, truly love. Mm-hmm. And I don't worry about what other people think about it or what they're going to say. People are going to love it because I love it. Yeah. Because love went into it. You know what I mean? Yeah or excitement or passion or whatever. What I, I mean, we're going through a change and it, it's true. I mean, we're not just talking about a, the pandemic, but you know, before the pandemic, our theater is changing and mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. I mean, we have managed to keep a lot of our, our, our longtime patrons who love us and will support us forever, right? Yeah. But We've also been, you know, getting new patrons and and trying to cultivate that. So I'm not sure who our patrons are. Yeah, it's I don't I don't think anything you said is a can be thought of as a flaw. Everyone has a probably a slightly different opinion on it, but. Um, Yeah, I because of my history, I, because I've, I've been here so long, I think mm-hmm. probably my default image of if I'm thinking of patrons, I'm sure is different from yours and has to do with me just being here for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern about because we are changing and that's good and it's 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 great that we're getting new patrons and my concern is that it's a generational shift that they don't have loyalty. So the younger patrons, yeah. you mean like the, the newer patrons? Yeah, they don't have they don't have loyalty. Maybe that's a, an egregious blanket statement, but but they um, don't have they don't have loyalty to what? What do you mean? To coming here. So if, so it's still it's based on what we're doing in the moment. Sure. But I mean, that's the world we live in now. I mean, it's like the y- younger generations. It's. It's tricky for us, and I, I say this, and people are like, "Oh, shut up, Gen X." But it's true. It's tricky for Gen X. We are the we're the generation that has straddled both worlds. Yeah. We're the generation that grew up with a slower form of storytelling. We went one day having no internet yeah. to the next day having internet. Right. Yeah. The generation behind us, millennials and Gen Z, they've never not had stuff just being thrown at them constantly. So why would they have loyalty? You know what I mean? Like there's so much being shoved in their faces all the time that they have so much choice Mm -hmm. that, you know, we like we can't control that. We there's no way to control that. That's just how they grew up. You know, I always laugh at slings and arrows (laughs) because they're like, oh, the the youth Youthquake and their buying cycle is on a different. It, it's different. The youth, the youth has a different buying cycle. They buy later than older people do. And like, but it's true. I mean, we laugh at that sort of PR marketing talk, but it's true. And it's true because, you know, back in the day, you found the places that you like. You found the entertainment that you liked, and it was there, and you can count on it, right? And there was there wasn't anybody like shoving other stuff in your face constantly. Yeah. But the younger generations, that's what they're used to. They have so many social media platforms to choose from. And 
you get on, I get on one and it's already obsolete, mostly because I'm 51 years old and I got on it and it's no longer cool for the young people, you know? So I still don't know what TikTok is. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea what it is. Like I never was able to, I know what Twitter is, but I, I never got on the Twitter bandwagon because I didn't know how to work it. I didn't know what it, like why, you know? They have so much, and now and now I've gone off. I'm see, and I've always been averse to some of these things not because of um, um, technology. I'm scared of technology. I'm quite frankly the opposite in many ways. Um, it has nothing to do with the technology or, or something new. It's the it's the herd mentality that I immediately respond to. Yeah, I, I mean go, that's nope. why. I, yeah, that's nope. why I don't. I don't watch shows that everybody's like. Everybody's got to watch this show. Like, confession, I still haven't watched all of Breaking Bad. I'm sorry, Tina Parker. <laughs> I still haven't. Had I ever been cast in the show, I would have watched more of it. Yeah, they, I, also, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, but also, it's like, we also we are. We are. And people, like, it's, it is actually the younger generation that doesn't like to talk about generations. But we're the generation of, like, we were thrown out of the house in the summertime in the morning come back when the light starts, when the lights go on, as long as you're with your friends, nobody knew where the hell we were. Nobody knew where the hell we were or what we were up to. And so, it, yeah, I mean, we straddle that. We, 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 I know I do, I have, I have difficulty sometimes because it's not how I grew up. I grew up with slower, storytelling, it's okay to tell a story slowly. Well, reading those, I mean, even for me, reading all of those, the stories you sent, these, mm -hmm. you know, turn of the century gothic stuff, I, 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 half the time I was like, oh my God, get to the action, get to the action, mm -hmm. get to the action, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, um, because we're so used to getting information so fast now. So... Yeah. I, so I don't know. I mean, it's like, do, do, you so all of so that, do you think that urban legends will not appeal to a certain... I asked all of that because it goes back to this question of do we need a hook? And is urban think... legends hooky enough? But isn't Halloween the hook? Um, or is it not? Do we need a, a, a more specific hook? I, to stand out, I think, to to get them to convince them to spend fifteen dollars to watch it, I feel like we do because there's no we don't have enough brand loyalty for them to go. I'm gonna it's theater three. I'm gonna watch. Mm -hmm. There's not enough of those people, so it maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I just don't know how to solve it because I don't know if, uh, I mean, Edgar Allan Poe's not a hook. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah, well, there you go. Because yeah. for for the thing that you just said. Been like, there, done that. Been there, done that. Yeah. And I'm going to sit and listen to a story written by <laughs> another white guy, you know, which I, and I love Edgar Allan Poe. But that is what we're going, that is what, this is the world we live in yeah. now. And, and or the, it's the world we've always lived in, right? Yeah. And, and that is the thing that we need to be paying attention to. And, and, and I think we should be paying attention to it. And I guess that's why I felt that the hook was local playwrights. Like I feel like Jonathan Norton has, in, has fans in this town sure. that, when they hear, oh, Jonathan wrote a scary play. Yeah. Let's go see what, let's hear Jonathan's play. Yeah. Or Nicole or Michael or Blake Hackler, you know, who yeah. uh, who are not necessarily like horror writers. Yeah. Right? And people will go like, oh, crap. If you liked the necessities or if you liked what we were over at Second Thought, right, that was a strange play what can Blake do with like that's scary right yeah. 
I mean, if you like Nicole stuff, you know, I feel I feel like our brand loyalty is tied to the the the, the collaborators and not necessarily the material. Okay, let's try this then, because because we have been going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So let's try this. So if we did four, mm -hmm. or should we stick to three? Four or, th four or three shows. It just depends on how, how, how long they how are. How long they are, I okay. mean, Yeah, I mean, if they're like 20 minutes long each, that's, what, 80 minutes? That's like a good horror movie. 20 minutes, you said, each? Yeah, four 20 minutes them. each, four of them. Four of them, or we... Okay, four. Maybe with some interstitial business or maybe not maybe we don't need to i i i don't see why we can't follow seriously why we can't follow like a tales from the hood format sure. or 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 the crypt keeper yeah or you know that sort of thing where we do have like the weird creepy host <laughs> in between i think that's fun and for 20 minutes making some notes here for 20 minutes They can have at most two people? At most two people. At most two people. Because I was thinking like how I would do if I was to do this crazy Johnny Appleseed thing. Like I would never show you. The only character I would ever see full on would be Johnny Appleseed. And then if you interacted with people, you'd see an arm. Sure. Or you'd see, you know, there's well, ways to get around yeah, adding like, people without You know, right now it. as you were talking about that, I was like, I mean, if you played Johnny Appleseed, let's just say, if you were playing Johnny Appleseed, <laughs> right, and then we had to see another person, yeah. why couldn't it be you in sure. a different costume? Uh, costume, all that stuff. For 20 minutes, yeah. no more than two people. I like that. You know, and, and it... Quite possibly, it's going to be the same two people, because that's how we can afford to do this. Is if it's the same people in almost um, everything. A man and a woman. Yeah. I had even thought. I keep thinking, uh, like the interstitial stuff, to going back to Crypt Keeper and things like that. Now I want, I want to ask Danielle to choreograph the scariest dance ever for Ania. The scariest dance ever. It's a little thing that fits in between. Because it's something we've never been able to utilize Ania mm -hmm. for. And that is like her yeah. superpower. Yeah, right? she's really, really, really great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I am really interested. I'm, I'm totally going to push for it because I've, it's been my dream. But like, I'm totally going to push for us being like these horror movie night. Yeah hosts yeah like joe bob briggs or elvira or like something creepy like that you know we build a little set right yeah. by the green screen like that has a coffin or a chair or whatever and then it's you and me like welcome or like some that, bullshit i want to build a fake body that stands beside my head that's on a table yeah <laughs> whatever you want whatever you want and we can and we you know we can once we know what the stories are, then we can like script, yeah. you know, our intros to each of them. Um, My head on a table wearing a mask. Or maybe it's in a jar. Then it's super safe. Yeah. Then it's super safe. I mean, there's an easy way of putting it. I can show you how to put a head in a jar that's super safe and doesn't even involve a head. I know how to do that shit. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So are we giving them themes? Are we giving them... Are we prodding them or are we saying, we've got to, well, once like on the, on the boring business side of this, we've got to figure out the SDC implications of all of this, mm -hmm. uh, directing something mm -hmm. like this. So we've got to figure that out. Yeah. Um, if we were to like split these or whatever. I am like, well, should we talk about that offline? Uh, It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, we can talk about offline for anyone who cares to even listen to this. It's just a, it's, it's, 
work. It's trying to fit everything we need to do in a very, 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 very tiny budget. Yeah. Um, so if we, so do we each take two, and then we just talk to the playwright and say, hey, here's some ideas. Does any of this interest you? Or we can say, write whatever you want within these restrictions. I don't know. I feel like I we can do both. We can we can say, hey, we've got pick an urban legend or pick like something. It's got to take place. Okay, so when we say it's got to take place in the theater, does it have to be about theater? No. Or it can just like we just have to film it in the theater. I, I, I feel like I feel like as soon as we leave, uh, that sounds like a it sounds like the no, man it doesn't. Talking it doesn't because this is what I've been saying for a while, and I haven't been able to express it, or maybe no one has heard me, is that, and I keep talking about that. Um, is it Lars von Trier? So Lars von Trier, it's it's uh, Dogville, Dogville, uh -huh. where it's a movie, but it also takes place kind of in a theater, and you can see this, like you you can see the seams of it. You can you can tell that they're not in a town, but they're saying we're in a town. You know, it's like the best, most awesome production of our town. Yeah, I just feel like if we start shooting things on location, we just we get thrown into a, a pile of stuff that's no, so I, massive. I think it's more fun to do it here. Yeah. I think it's more fun to keep it in the theater. Yeah. And whether that means that we build a tiny green screen studio in your office because people are going to use puppets. Yeah. Or whether that means that it's all one location in the Norma Young upstairs. Yeah. Or it's a, a living room that we make up in this room where we're in and it takes place in the living room or whatever, yeah. I think that I, I think that's more fun. Um, we can get, I don't know if you want, we can get Jim John to compose some creepy music, some creepy theme music for us, mm -hmm. for the show. Um, all right, I'm down. I'm down with the devil. I mean, we, we can. I don't have to sell my soul. He's already in me. Um, it's a song, y'all. It's a song. Calm down. Uh, yeah. So I'm off. What I? I need to think more on the Johnny Appleseed thing because if I Johnny Appleseed thing. So, so do I you want to write one? I've got a. So this is a brand new idea that popped in my head. So I need to like. I need to sleep on it a little bit. But I don't know if I need to enlist anyone. To write it. To write that. Well, great. Then you you are, congratulations. You have been hired as a playwright for Theater 3. Um, but I'll, I'll think on it. Uh, so do we shortlist playwrights now? I mean, I think I mentioned some of our favorites. Jonathan, Nicole Neely, Blake Hackler, Mike Federico. There's uh, Aaron Burdett. I don't know. You don't Aaron know Aaron? No. Aaron uh, does a lot with Kitchen Dog. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, Ruben writes plays. Mm -hmm. um, Carazano, in case you're wondering. Yeah, I reached out to him. Uh, I've reached out to uh, several people for the blog series, the Dead Player Society. Mm -hmm. and, oh, you um, know, Dante. I didn't hear back from. Dante has a two person play called The Odessa Files. That I oh yeah that that I just read, and it's it's uh, science fiction and it's it's pretty cool. It's short, too. So there's Dante, you know, who is our in-house dramaturg. Mm -hmm. um, so we have Nicole, Dante, Jonathan, Michael, Nicole. I already said Nicole. Those are people that work closely with us all the yeah. time that I feel know our aesthetic and uh, and their family. They know the space. Uh -huh. You think we're good and just like... Offering? Just offering, yeah. Yeah, why not? We, we really don't have time to American Idol this. We don't. We really don't. I mean, they've worked here before. We have confidence in their work. Yeah. They, like I said, they know the space. They know Theater Three's aesthetic. They know our patrons. Um, 
Yeah, I don't see why that would be a problem. We don't have time. There's yeah. no time. Yep, now's not the time for lots of... Now's not the time. If we don't, you know, if we don't want to deal with SDC, if you don't want to deal with SDC, because that's really me, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I will be in them, or I'll be in one, some of them, or one of them, or whatever. Like, I would love to do that. Well, if we can get... Uh... I would hate for you not to be able to direct during the Halloween slot, although mm -hmm. you're going to have a big chunk of responsibility for the holiday. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let's, we just need to investigate. We just don't know yeah, how don't all know. of this works with either union, frankly. Right. I, I don't know if we'll be able to get a, an AEA contract that soon right. uh, to do this work. Um, I think it's going to be really, really safe. Um, but... Uh, Okay. I'm just saying, I can be a really good creepy old woman. I, yeah. am, a, I am a creepy old woman. Oh, speaking of old woman, like that was another thing. Man, I'm not opposed to doing old woman in the wood either. That is another thing that we could look at if we wanted. Yeah, to I mean, I like. That. I also, I mean, well, we can't do Mother Holly because Mother Holly. We could do Mother Holly if we had two people playing every role. Yeah. It's a great little play. I love that play. Um. I mean, it just depends on whether Michael is cool with it or whatever. But, yeah. you know, we can go to them and, and, and say, hey, are you interested in, in writing a little something for this? And, and tell them it's quick turnaround. We got to get started yesterday. Yeah. So you can pick an urban legend or you can make up your own. I have a feeling that they're going to go and say, oh, I have a favorite urban, le urban legend yeah. I want to do because that's easy. It's a, it's an easier jumping off point, right? And then the, the our hook is our local playwrights are good at everything. They're good at every genre. Yeah. Jenny Liddell. Jenny Liddell is a playwright. Mm -hmm. She's never really worked with us as a playwright, but mm -hmm. she is a writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now we just have to make that, those decisions mm -hmm. to ask. And, some people might not be available. Yeah, some people or, may not be available not be or, or even interested. Is there anybody? I wonder if we could. Well, we can talk about that offline. I'm just thinking about a couple of Hail Mary asks from people. Um, hmm? <laughs> um, <laughs> We're 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 mouthing words to each other we're across secret, the we're table. We're secretly, yeah. Yeah, just so y'all know, we're we're in the same room, but we're we're safely socially distant, but we can we can read lips. <laughs> There's some things that we cannot talk about out loud. We yeah. need to we need to save some surprises. Yeah, There's some things in terms of surprises for the shows, mm -hmm. the sex dungeon downstairs that we keep from everyone. Um, I was not expecting for you to say that, but okay. With the, with, it's a, the front is a pizza place. Mm -hmm. So that. Mm -hmm. Or NASA. <laughs> you know, they're running one from the moon. Um, I was watching... No, that's on the <laughs> sidetrack. <laughs> yeah. No, let's not. Let's not go there. Um, all right. So we need to, I don't think we need to do this via podcast, even if we even release this. Um, but right. uh, we need to like now talk about some very specific things, specific But I'm going to, I'm telling you, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. And even if I can't be in it, I am, I am like jazzed about perhaps being an Elvira-like host <laughs> of a scary movie festival <laughs> or scary theater movie festival. Got to think of a title. Uh, yeah, it came from Theater 3. It, just, it came from Theater 3? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. All right. So is that all we need to talk about? Um, sure. I kind of um, love that title, actually. Yeah, I do, I do too. I just, that's off the dome, baby. <laughs> In the room. <laughs> the creature. The creature from Theater Three, it came from Theater Three. I like it. Came from Theater Three. Yeah. With some like really cool like old school 
graphics, sci-fi graphics, like with green lava or something. We'll just take a picture of the creepy ass sump pump that's in the costume <gasps> show. Oh my God, that's <laughs> creepy ass for real. Man, I don't like going back there by myself. Anyway, we have a really awesome murder hallway in the back of the, I call it the murder hallway. When we were shooting the movie here, I was like, let's go shoot it in the murder hallway. And I'm like, the murder hallway? And I took people back and they're like, oh yeah. Or even in this room, that closet that's yeah. right there in the corner. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm facing it. So it's open. Every time I glance over there, I feel like, is there someone in that closet like peeking out at me right now as we are recording the podcast? And it's always, that's where my mind goes all the time. That's the safest place in this whole building, man. It is under... I don't know how many feet of earth, and it's surrounded by concrete, this little tiny. Now creepy, I know where to go. Um, now I know where to go in case there's, you know, an earthquake or a hurricane or something. It's interesting. I mean, the door doesn't seem very effective, but. <laughs> like it doesn't, this place, for as much history as it has, and frankly, the number of people who have passed on um, that. Uh, I have strong ties to this place. I never get creeped out, even when I'm alone and oh, in no. the dark I mean, in this theater. I find it, I don't get creeped out in theaters even when they are creepy. And I've had, I mean, I've been trapped at the Kalita Humphreys overnight. Um, I was once trapped there overnight. And it is, it is creepy. And the Kalita has a lot of crazy places to hide, nooks and crannies. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's just because we've hung out in theaters for so long that I don't really get creeped out in dark theaters anymore. I get creeped out in other places, but I'm like, meh, it's a theater, whatever. There's bound to be a hobo living in the catwalk. <laughs> Remember that time in Frank's place? We were doing, well, it was our endeavors. We were doing something and we were up in Frank's place and we just, our, our prop food went missing, was going missing every night. And we were like, where's our prop food going? And we discovered there was a, a hobo living in the catwalk. We come out at night and take out our prop food. So it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One time when the kids were little, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> One time when Isa and Dante were little, we were at home and the lights went out. We had, there was a blackout and there was a storm and Isa was like, oh my God, it's dark. Miss Dramatica, who loves drama. She's like, it's dark, whatever. And Dante, in the dark, he goes, Isa, we're theater people. We live in the dark. And I was like, he's kind of right though. Like we're always in the dark. So in many ways. I inadvertently picked up a hobo uh, in that down on the creek by the Dallas Theater Center you one day. Picked up a hobo like, like in my car for purposes I was, or like <laughs> well like you picked him so, up i was so stupid young and naive like I you were trying to help someone yeah but he could i guess quite possibly could have been one of those trick turning hobos <laughs> there i just did because i got flagged i was going to rehearsal for christmas carol uh -huh. many many years ago like uh -huh. when it like, happened in the arts district barn right and um i was Drive along, do to do to do, and this dude flagged oh, me Boy down. And I can still remember he was in a sweater, sweatpants, and dress shoes. Oh, Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey, you never pick up anybody wearing sweatpants. And um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm lucky to be. That's the sign. Um, he was he was a trick turning hobo. <laughs> Easy access. And then he said he needed, like, I, he said he needed gas for his car, but it was clear that there was no there car was no anywhere. Car. But mm -hmm. I can't, like, I. It's code. I wanted to believe him. <laughs> sure. Like, I wanted to believe yeah. him. Yeah, absolutely. So then we went to the gas station. I think maybe he then wanted to believe that I really understood what was happening, but was still playing <laughs> along. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, um. We were there, and he was, and I, he was like, "Well, um, I, I don't have anything to put gas in." I'm like, "I don't know. Here, I, here, I'll, I'll run my card uh, for some." And so then he fishes out a cup out of the trash can, and he puts gasoline in the cup, <laughs> and then he gets back in my car. So awkward. And then we're driving around with this open container of gas, 
with the trick-turning hobo. Did it never occur to you that he was a trick-turning hobo? I was, I'm from White House, Texas. I'm oh from... My God. I, I was just trying You're to, a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout from White House, Texas. Yeah, it was... Trying to help a person. I eventually made it to rehearsal unscathed, uh, as far as anyone knows. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Did I... Go ahead. No, that's pretty much. Did I ever tell it. you about the I'm gonna I'm gonna call him what we called him, the the midnight jerker <laughs> at the I don't know if we should release this, but the the midnight jerker at the at the Turtle Creek. Yeah. Oh my God, that was an experience. Yeah. Me and Sally Vale. Oh. oh God, leaving rehearsal, and this naked man comes out of the woods, and he's just like woohoo, like wanting us to see him. <laughs> And Sally was like, look, look. And I was like, Sally, don't look at him. That's what he wants. <laughs> yeah. We saw him a few times. It was yeah, lots, lots terrible and lots and of things. So happened. many stories. Lots of things happen in that area. Yeah. In that area. So the so good luck, uh, Kalita Humphreys Preservation Society. Yay! Whatever <laughs> it's called. The stuff you find in the forest is insane. I, they should keep that. That's an important part of Yeah. The I find a pair of shredded underwear <laughs> one time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, okay, and we should we should stop recording now so that we can go talk details about what we're going to what we're going to do. You know, we could just do this. We could do all, uh, talk about the horrors of the Turtle Creek over by the Kalina. I freeze. just realized that because we're sending out a letter this week to patrons and subscribers explaining sort of what we're doing and mm -hmm. why we're doing it and everything. And I encourage them for more information to listen to this podcast series. No. And now they have to listen to my story about a trick turning hobo. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's the sure sign. Sweatpants. Just, this is, you know, pro tip, y'all. <laughs> Somebody tries to. Get your attention in the morning driving to work and they're wearing sweatpants and there's no car in sight, but they say they need gas. They don't need gas. Um, all right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Uptown Drama. <laughs> do, 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 do. do, 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 do.